welcome back to Let's Talk Music. We have reached episode seven, and that's uh, phenomenal considering my lack of consistency. So, thank you so much for listening to me so far. And this episode that we have today is going to be extremely educational. So, feel free to take notes. So, um, he's one of the few journalists in India covering the independent music scene in the country, and. Uh, personally and i think across the industry his opinion and insights have been looked up to and respected over the years and if i'm not mistaken he's been doing this for nearly two decades i don't want to like take away from his youth and perhaps it's been flooding his inbox with requests from artists and other industry stakeholders and he's written for some of the biggest or the biggest publications in india and the world like like billboard first post um india today musically Rolling Stone, Scroll, Guardian, and I think the list goes on. So he just moderated a panel at the All About Music virtual conference last week, and I'm really thankful to him for taking time out to do this episode with me. Welcome to Let's Talk Music, Amit, and thank you once again for doing this. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for that very flattering introduction. <laughs> uh, I'm a fan of the podcast. I've heard a lot of episodes, and I've learned a lot. And I've learned so much from you. I have to say, so I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, thank you so much, and I'm glad that you, you know, actually enjoyed those episodes because, you know, I realized the initial few, um, this monologue doesn't really work all the time. So it's great to have people from the industry chatting. Yeah. So no, the monologue, actually, the first one, hmm. uh, which I think was on copyright. Yeah. It's really important for me because you know you have the ability to break things down in a very simple way. Uh, <laughs> you know. And thank you. Quite essential, and I am sort of you know, uh, I'm constantly trying to figure these things out. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, and I think there's so much of information out there. So I, this is it is also one of the reasons that I decided to start the podcast because I thought okay, at least like there's one place that people can, you know, get to know a few things at least, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I, like I said, I have uh, brushed up my knowledge about a number of. the subjects and copyright law and royalties and perfect all of that stuff <laughs> perfect so how's the pandemic been treating you i mean it's uh luckily i mean i'm i in the sense that i have uh, you know uh, fairly been quite i mean i have no health issues and mm. you know but uh, i think rather than the pandemic i think it's the lockdown that has really affected everybody and yeah, yeah I, mean, i i have also been affected by it in the sense that Uh, you know, I was just telling somebody the other day that I think I'm in a relatively sort of uh, I wouldn't say better position, but perhaps more equipped to deal with this because I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. I barely go out. <laughs> uh, you know, sort of I only my only sort of going out activity was literally going for gigs. So obviously, okay. I miss those. I mean, I yeah. miss those uh, a lot. Uh, but like in terms of you know, I'm the occasional sort of meeting friends which I also miss. But by and large, you know, I'm quite happy. to be at home most of the time and i've <laughs> okay. been working from home for yeah. the last five years so even yeah. that hasn't been too much of an adjustment Correct. so so in that sense yeah it hasn't affected me too much but yeah of course work wise you know there've been budget cuts across the board you know mm. we talked about some of the international publications that i work with some of them have had to have mm. uh, you know they've uh, sort of stopped commissioning stuff okay. uh, with the regularity they used to so you know so that's it's had sort of an effect but yeah. and then yeah you know some publications have reduced their uh, you know or honorariums and stuff like right. that like yeah. by and large i think like i have to be grateful for you yeah. know uh, sort of how 
this thing i am at deal with it yeah yeah i mean that that was actually what i wanted to like ask next whether it's impacted you work wise i mean because i from what i see the indie scene in india has been bustling so there's been a lot of stuff that's been happening and to you know keep you engaged and occupied as well so yeah, yeah i so, think yeah i mean so in terms of the work for indian publications actually that's not stopped at all yeah uh, you know so i have I've had quite a bit of work from indian publications the only thing is that when it comes to sort of uh, you know Payments. Uh, <laughs> some, yeah, I mean, in the sense that there's a big difference between the exchange rate, the dollar yeah. rate, you know, sort of. And I know. Uh, so, like, you do one piece uh, for a foreign publication is like equal to like three pieces of sometimes five pieces that you do here. So, wow, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty. So, I mean, just to go back to basics, like, how did you get into music journalism specifically? Like, what was your motivating factor? Uh, so i think with everybody who's related to this scene it starts with the love for music and that's mm. where i started too i think i became a music journalist just by a process of elimination okay. uh, you know i uh, always loved music i wasn't particularly good at like i mean i didn't really actually even attempt i didn't have a natural sort of ability for say a musical instrument or anything like that i didn't really pursue it but i always loved music you know mm. i would like listen i mean introvert like i mentioned and like one of my favorite activities as a kid was just listening to the radio yeah. and i would listen to the radio for hours every day uh, and uh, so you know i always interested in music i'd buy all the music magazines actually i grew up in dubai so oh, okay. uh, i went to school there so you know there they had like uh, this radio channel called dubai 92 fm which was like at that time the only sort of uh, Uh, fm yeah. channel and it would play like the international yeah like they hit still play like the american top 40 countdown the uk you know countdown and that was really my introduction to music and i, I really loved uh, like i said it was one of my favorite things to do was just listen to music and growing up there it's uh, i mean i think a lot of these things is quite interesting is like circumstances also affect uh, and your unique sort of where you are in a particular place and time can really affect you know Correct. you eventually what you eventually do and you know uh, so at that yeah. time really um, this was in the late 80s mm. and the early 90s and mm. you know uh, at that time in dubai there used to be uh, this pirate company okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i mean, i didn't know that they were pirates at the time but <laughs> irony is that they used to call themselves the company was called thompson originals okay oh, okay uh, the irony <laughs> yeah yeah t h o m s u n and i think that they were uh, like cassette manufacturer But hey, also, okay yeah thompson originals so you might have had like uh, like any connection to like the gulf in any sort of way you probably have been gifted a yeah. tape at some point in your life yeah uh, it sounds familiar so they would actually sell uh, albums like cassette mm. albums for like 5 uh, dirhams which okay. wasn't a lot of money at that point of time actually which is like it was like a week's pocket money okay perhaps, you know when you were like really young so mm. i would just spend that on um, Uh, on cassettes and like so it was like if i like one song i'd buy the entire tape yeah right? so yeah. Uh, you know, i wouldn't even think about it and so in that sense i sort of really listen to a, a fairly wide variety of music i uh, and and what was great about like even like i would say chart music or like you know popular music at that time that there was no real distinction I mean, music wasn't compartmentalized into the way it is right now. People, you know, you wouldn't only just be like pop yeah. music at that time yeah. encompass such a wide range of sounds. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. everything from pop to rock to like metal to like 
hip hop to you know to dance music or what is today like the modern form of dance music that has its origins in like i mean it's crazy but like i remember when i was like 10 years old huh. i was listening to like acid house ah yeah yeah yeah, yeah without yeah. without without knowing what knowing it was, what it is yeah without like any clue what the concept of rave was or you yeah, know yeah. Uh, but you know just because that that was what was stopping the uk charts at the time yeah and, you know, it was interesting music and you yeah. i liked it you know i mean i and i think when you're also a kid you have your ears are so much more open yeah. you know i think when more you're a teenager then you sort of start having like become a little more clicky yeah uh, <laughs> you know you want to sort of identify with a certain set of people so you so you want to listen to a type of music but when you're fairly young Correct. you don't care you just like something and you know that's yeah. that's what you listen to Yeah. But, yeah. So like so, that, so I'm giving you a very long answer here but essentially No, but that's okay. Yeah. That it it kind of defines you know your exposure to music and how you got into it because that's pretty much I mean even me being a, a lawyer in this industry has stemmed from that same love for music and the kind of exposure I've had to uh but I've grown up in India so all of it has I've consumed so much of the film industry Bollywood music yeah. but back in the 90s you had a very vibrant indie scene so to speak i mean yeah. like the non film music like your alicia chennai and uh, uh, shweta shetty sunita rao like all of these are people that you've grown up listening to and it's just yeah i i see that significant change now and i think we will get to that uh you know over the course, course of our conversation today yeah. so i mean i think it's just so exciting for somebody who's like say young right now right somebody who's who's just like uh you know uh, who's like 8 or 9 years right now who's yeah. just like Uh, getting exposed to so much of music so much of indian music yeah. that we yeah. never had a chance to uh, you know sort of listen to i mean yeah i mean the 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 90s pop scene came a little later on for me and uh, but yeah i mean bollywood was always around yeah you know yeah. like bollywood like the films were fairly terrible i mean there was the original <laughs> soundtrack that would sort of you know uh, yeah. that would sort of break the clutter whether yeah. it was uh, you know ek do teen from teza kayamat se kayamat tak you know those sort of those sort of transcended the whole correct uh, you know sort of bollywood not being cool but like still you know you liking the music the music right exactly and, yeah yeah so yeah so essentially i i always love music but mm. then you know uh, my parents being typical indian parents like <laughs> never i mean it was never something that was even considered as a career i uh, studied uh, commerce mm. i did my bcom and then uh, this is something that never i rarely ever tell people but i have actually done an mba oh complete waste of time and money that <laughs> the parents spent too much money because i got to pune university and that's the only thing that makes me feel like i feel less guilty about it is because i went to i went to a government institute and my fees <laughs> were like like 1/10th of a private college but i wasted a lot of time doing <laughs> an mba and then i sort of came to finally this crossroads when i figured out i said to myself and to my parents that look i've done everything you asked me to do but i really don't think i want to do this for the rest of my life i don't want a career in like commerce or finance yeah. i want something that i i really enjoy doing and mm. um and i think that i and the one one sort of skill that i had i think that i established was that in mm. school i was always good at writing mm. i mean i would write for the school newspaper magazine. and i would write for what of a school magazine and mm. you know i was always sort of like that was something that you know uh, one of the things i was good at uh, like you know uh, and sort of gave me a sense of confidence and yeah. then i decided okay maybe i can combine these two things i mean mm. i've always been reading music magazines all my life you know mm. i have uh, 
I like music. I like writing. Maybe I can be a music writer. Mm. And so through a series of like you know events, I sort of eventually managed to forge a career in it. I went and did a year of journalism school in Australia. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, to sort of uh, to make sure I had like adequate adequate training, but mm. after that, it's just been a process of sort of like working yeah. with different organizations and you know mm. getting to where I am right now. So, did you start working in India, or was it outside? Yeah, so I've, all my working life has been in India. I uh-huh. my first job was not technically a journalism job. It was uh, it was working for Times Music at the time and okay. sort of writing content for the the Times Music. the music labels website which uh-huh. i don't think i don't even know whether the music label that that website launched because i i sort of left okay. less than a year after joining to go to australia so um, oh, okay yeah so it was a fairly short stint there but that was like technically my first uh, writing job job okay interesting so that means you have worked with the label <laughs> Not a label. Yeah, I didn't really. I mean, there was limited interaction with the label, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that means, like we discussed, uh, you've written for some of like the largest uh, international publications as well. In terms of uh, standards in journalism, maybe mm-hmm. more specifically uh, with music as well. But in terms of overall, how they treat it, um, what would you think have been? What do you what do you think has been the difference that you have faced? Uh, well, you know, I think that I would just I mean it's, it's a little tricky thing to answer mm. because I think that mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, you know. Firstly, we don't really have too many music publications in India. That's true. And, yeah. And I have been working with music publications uh, internationally. Right. So it's kind of it's not a it's it's not an apples to apples comparison. So uh, it's like you setting a standard in India, actually, technically speaking. I don't know about that, but like, <laughs> uh, but you know, in the sense, so it's also the kind of stuff that you write, right? Sometimes you're doing like a simple profile. Hmm. There's not much kind of, uh, you know, uh, th- there isn't. It's pretty straightforward. But right. like, if you're doing like a music industry piece, that requires a little more. kind mm. of uh, investigation discussion yeah and sort of investigation discussion all of that um so yeah but i would say that like i mean the n- not the publications that i have worked with mm. but like there's definitely a difference between the indian the way the indian media works and the international media works mm. uh, and i can give you an example i know you probably going to ask me about this at some point <laughs> but i i i like when the whole badshah report thing happened yeah uh, you know sony put out this press release saying uh, that we broken the 24 hour record and uh-huh. i was actually when i heard about it and it was on social media before this happened yeah 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 and i was very excited about it and the first thing that i did was contacted my editor at billboard and i said look hey you know what this yeah. is big news for the indian music industry it's yeah. a huge achievement i think we should write about it and he said yeah sure go ahead and do all of that Mm. and then so i got in touch with sony sony was extremely helpful mm. they you know helped me speak got me on a call with bacha immediately mm. and uh, so i did all that i did all the groundwork for it and i and i said that you know there's one piece and i told this to the person at sony that i was speaking mm. with i was like you know what i mm. need you to give me a confirmation from youtube mm. that this record has actually been set because i know yeah. that the board will not accept this piece and yeah. you know because it's not enough for you to just say that you've broken the record we need an official confirmation for them to 
uh, run this as is. Correct. So uh, you know they, they said, yeah, of course we'll 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 put you in touch with YouTube and you know we will uh, sort of sort that out for yeah. you and uh. all of that. But they went ahead, released, put out the press release. Uh. Every like not every but a lot of media publications media covered it. Yeah, just you know, published it as like verbatim and you know it's it's weird because you have this thing where they sort of they, they, they reproduce these press releases and they'll have yeah. a line over there saying that this is something that we've not had uh, this is a press release we haven't had any nobody's edited it but then why run it in the first place right you're so desperate for content because you know you are a, yeah. a website you have to just keep churning it out so mm. you're putting out something that is like fairly uh big news but mm. you have no verification that's exactly right. and uh so I mean, so I had to, I was hanging on to that story and we can discuss that a little later in this conversation, but like my, my story was on hold uh, because I knew that until YouTube Confirmed. gave the confirmation, which never came, as you well know, um, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> couldn't run it. So yeah. I think that gives you an example of the difference in the standards of, of uh, you know, yeah. it was not even a conversation I had to have with the editor. I knew that they would not accept it without yeah. that confirmation. Yeah. But you're saying perhaps... So, anyway, in the Indian publications did come out with the news, and I remember seeing a couple of them. And I, in fact, I think there was a discussion initiated by you on Facebook around this couple of months yeah. when it came out, right? Yeah, I remember yeah. that conversation. So, um, so actually, now I, I want let's connect it back to that. So uh, now, since we know, since the the new case against Vacha mm-hmm. of buying those. Um, streams or views. Um, yeah. So, how does this impact the credibility of streams anywhere? And uh, how do you think that's going to affect artists on a long-term basis? So, what's interesting is that since the since last year, since mm. this whole uh, Bachar's uh, Pagal episode, mm. I haven't seen any label come out with similar claims because he was not the first to do this. Mm. I mean, I think that the only thing that he did was that he claimed to break the, like, I think, I mean, and I've talked about this before. I mean, the thing that mm-hmm. unfortunately for him, he was taking on BTS and I don't even know whether he knew it. And uh, like BTS fans are so passionate and like yeah. so cool or sort of like watchful about everything that involves their, yeah. uh, you know, their idols that literally like he didn't realize that he was saying I'm breaking BTS's record. And, uh, you know, uh, that was, I think, what really, what unfortunately for him was really sort of the undoing. Uh, because uh, it's not the first time, like you've had, like, I think TC in the past claiming that uh, a music video for uh, Guru Randhava and Pitbull had some collaboration and then they claimed that that was I mean the figure was much less it was some 33 million or something claiming that it was a record of the time and uh, yeah. you know uh, it just again press release went out it mm. was uh, you know sort of like not nobody bothered to verify it and all of that but it sort of it didn't get the kind of uh, I think attention that uh, I, I think that this 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 Bacha song did because I think that mm. even like it was just simply like another one of the press releases that you yeah. had released as opposed to like this big hoo-ha, you know. Sony even released an ad in the Bombay Times claiming that uh, they had broken the record. Oh, and very, God. very interestingly, they didn't, they, they use a YouTube play button, but they didn't mention YouTube. Um, so, oh, wow. uh, in the ad. So, 
I mean, yeah, I, I can think of like a hundred legal problems with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that what has happened because of that is like, I'm sure people are still buying these views. Hmm. Uh, you know, I don't think it's illegal or criminal hmm. uh, because under, it is not something that, I don't think the case has been filed against Bacha. I don't think the case will be. I don't think there's any legal standing because he's not the only person to do this. And hmm. if they wanted to call him in for questioning, they should call in all the label bosses of all the major record companies as well. Mm. Uh, he was singled out, I think, just because of this particular uh, instance getting a lot of international media attention. Correct. But uh, but I think that if you, as a as uh, somebody who's interested in the music industry, wants to literally, uh, you know, to, or if you are a music and anybody who's working in the music industry and you want to verify Mm. Whether any of this is true, I mean, there are lots of tools that you can do, you know, cross-check check mm. this. And how I sort of knew that something was up uh, with the whole Pagal, you know, yeah. recount was, yeah. I mean, my, this is again, something unique to me, mm. uh, was being a really big chart geek and like, you know, following mm. the music charts carefully and realizing yeah. that, you know, YouTube is not getting back to me. Uh, they're just just being very silent about this. They're not saying yes or no, which was even more suspicious. Yeah, uh, you know. So, but then I knew that the song was out on a Wednesday, and uh, it's a twenty-four record. So you know, and that the YouTube charts track the period from Friday to Thursday. Even mm. so, they publish on a Sunday, but they they tell you the views from the previous Friday to the mm. Thursday. Okay. And like if it's tracked, if it's seventy-nine million views, yeah. it's obviously like the most viewed video of the week. Yeah, but it was not did not appear on the chart. I mean, nowhere. So even the last number one hundred, it's a it's a hundred position chart. Mm. Number one is whatever on average some 35, 40 million. Mm. Uh, number hundred might be five million. Okay. You know, it was not even five million. So that gives oh, you an wow. idea of how many genuine views they were because you yeah. very interestingly says that they and they finally came out with an official statement stating this that. Uh, our charts are sacred mm. and we don't count these. It's a very sort of having your cake and eating it situation because they will sell these views, yeah. uh, you know, but they won't, they will only count official views and they will show that view count, the, the, the sort of allegedly fake view count mm. uh, on, so a song will show hundred million, yeah. but on charts, that song may not appear if, if, if there's not hundred million genuine views, if only the one million genuine views will count towards the chart. Oh so, God. Uh, so Pagal was nowhere, not even number 100. So then it was pretty clear to me that look, so then Bilbo said, cool, let's just run it because now we have some kind of logical kind of evidence. Yeah. They're not confirming yeah. that, that obviously this something's wrong. This is not actually a record or whatever it's been. And you know, Bacha himself came out with that Instagram story and all that. Yeah. So we were able to put all the pieces together. But mm. so to, again, very long answers I'm giving you, but like, no, no, good, 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 go ahead. I think that if you are, music if you're somebody in the music industry if you are a promoter yeah. or you are like somebody who's a, a brand and yeah. you want to figure out how do i cross check this information is very simple mm. you have the youtube chart which is the official sort of uh, document of mm. views okay. and you have you just cross check across platforms i mean if a song is doing well it's going to do well across platforms it's unlikely exactly. that a song is going to blow up on one platform and not do well on like say do extremely well on YouTube but be nowhere on the audio streaming mm, track. Will probably be on at least on like if it's a, a regional music track mm. and it's like doing very well on YouTube it will be somewhere on like the Ghana chart or the Jew Savan chart or you yeah. know it will be somewhere there. Uh, I mean, you know. 
it won't just like randomly not be on anything that's true but i think that this has had a sort of effect because like i said i haven't heard of any more talk from labels saying you know we broke this record anymore i think that yeah. and that's a good thing that's a good thing yeah seriously and yeah. the other day um like i came across this article on how um there are these spotify streaming farms Mm-hmm. uh and this was in germany and there was yeah uh, yeah yeah and yeah. they were, they had basically been like you know booked yeah. and you know yep. uh, suspended or something i mean yeah. and I heard any that in india though i haven't heard them i know but what are the odds i'm i'm certain that it will there is a you know business of you know streaming farms in india as well it's just that we we are not probably see if if bacha can buy likes or by followers mm-hmm. uh what is preventing an entity to provide this as a service and how does that affect the um so because at the end of the day the streams and the impressions and the downloads and all of that and the views mm-hmm. also linked to revenue right uh not just youtube but i'm talking about spotify specifically yeah, like if yeah. you have a streaming a fake streaming farm if you're employing yeah. one of those uh how do i um and you can be you can be a really crap artist and you mm-hmm. know just do that just because you have money yeah so, so how do you you know i don't know how that's going to impact uh, artists and like you know credibility more mm-hmm. importantly it's just there's an artist claiming 100000 uh, streams or followers on a spotify or on apple music matter and anymore and is it like is this going to affect that um, you know the privilege of having that many streams on these platforms so i understandably i think wolfpack did something but that was basically they released an album which was you know seven tracks of just silence and mm-hmm. got their fans to like uh, yeah stream it and they made 20000 dollars out of it but that yeah. is not hiring a service right mm-hmm. like for example spotify shaved off like um 5 million streams okay. from dynamite Yeah, exactly. So I was just going to come to that, but yeah. I think the good thing with the audio streaming services, at least with Spotify, and I presume Apple may be having something similar. I don't know about the Indian streaming services, but they do have these sort of inbuilt checks, right? Now, hmm. uh, why did they shave off those millions of streams from Dynamite, which, which by the way, was what about some twelve million and eventually yeah. was like seven million? Seven so million. I mean, it's a crazy amount. So yeah. the inbuilt mechanism is that if there is a limited amount of uh, Uh, streams that they account from one i think account over a 24 hour period why so, because it's exactly because of things like that because the bot farms and things like that so you know but the difference here with bts is that actually these obsessive fans obsessive fans exactly they make it over and over again yeah. right so so if they can do that to genuine streams which technically i mean a bts guy the fan is army member is not it's not exactly a fake stream i mean okay exactly. maybe they bring it on like autoplay and doing other things but like yeah. there's a real passion behind the reason for this right yeah. and, and so i think they have this inbuilt mechanism sure there may be somebody trying to game the system but i don't think i mean i think with the audio streaming and i i haven't heard any of such incident i mean even heard like uh, i mean maybe i just haven't heard them yet but like i haven't heard or this is just something that's waiting to be uh come out in the open because of what's happened in germany but mm. as far as i know there's nothing that i've heard about audio streams being gate mm. uh you know i have my own opinion about the radio chart in the country but like yeah <laughs> uh, we'll get to that <laughs> you know but i as far as audio streams i mean they seem to be the most legit out of all the 
uh, all the various sort of uh, okay. popularity uh, gauges that we have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so cool. So now, since we're talking about streaming platforms, um, what do you? How do you think this is? You know, especially given the current situation where live performances are no longer a, rel- a reliable source of income. How mm. important is streaming? And you know, um, in from the Indian perspective, I think I think there are a few things which which artists are just slowly figuring out in terms of like how are they going to collect royalties, owning masters, owning publishing, and all of that. So, mm. what is your opinion on streaming platforms in India? And um, you know, their their reliability as an income source. Mm, well, I think that. you know uh gaming platforms have been like we cannot discount the fact that they have been game changing mm. for independent artists i mean you might whatever you might say about the payouts and how uh you know how little artists actually get compensated for their yeah. music but i mean i just as somebody who has like you know you mentioned uh <laughs> me being having done this for two decades and i'm like you know i'm an old fogey in the scene and i can tell you that like back in the day yeah. i mean how did musicians sell their music right they would make these homemade cds and they would like have a yeah. little stand a little table at a gig and that's literally where you bought it yeah. it was not like royalties it was like literally a one time uh thing Correct. right you bought this cd off them and that yeah. was it yeah. uh you know so what streaming services have really done is they have really democratized democratized the distribution of music which has really been revolutionary for like independent musicians who never have a hope to get on to radio or tv even till today yeah. you know uh, yeah. so you have the ability to sort of distribute your music mm-hmm. uh which the only way you had back then was to play live and you can't possibly be live play live you could only play live in your city or like big cities or mm-hmm. you know uh or at best go to college festivals across the country now your music is available for not only the entirety of the country it's available for the world mm. and you know uh, and that is something that has definitely been of immense benefit to independent musicians yeah. everywhere yeah yeah now the prob it's obviously problematic that you know uh, the amount of money you get for Correct. your every time your music is streamed is dismal and i and i think that this is just it is a uh, there's been a lot of discussions about this especially now uh when live live concerts are not really a possibility of how streaming for it to be a uh you know to be an actual source of income of like substantial income a lot of this needs to be fixed and there's yeah. a, a fair amount of conversation about maybe that they should be shift to user centric payouts and mm-hmm. that how beezer is the only one that has experimented with this but like they have also been doing this for some time but they haven't yet come out with you know some kind of report yet yeah. and uh, and there's great reluctance on behalf of the music industry to adopt this system even though they have been there's been a whole lot of conversation on how this might be really a better way to go okay uh, you know uh, and of course the huge amount of vested interest you know uh, right, right now the, you know whether it's labels or artists you know uh, you have a handful of people getting uh, a whole lot of the pie mm-hmm. you know so whether i think user centric payments would be an experiment that i hope that eventually the uh, 
global music industry comes uh, eccentric payouts is something that we try at least try it and see where it's going yeah but your point about streaming and you know it, the idea of whether it is um actually ever going to be some kind of uh, you know whether it's going to be like an actual source of income for artists now i have written about this uh, recently and mm. i also did a little bit of research mm. uh, for this conversation because okay. i knew that there would be some discussion around this now so i had recently done a piece about you know how independent musicians were doing during the lockdown whether the fact that there's been no bollywood music whether they have, they have actually yeah. benefited out of it yeah yeah um, so i had a conversation with uh, ritwiz's manager right uh, rahul sinha who okay. runs uh, under the radar which also uh, has in their roster they've also got nuclear and anish so he was telling me that ritwiz's income Mm. um streaming has actually increased from 25% to 50% Ooh. this year wow and uh last financial year mm. he that was like i think april 2019 to march this mm. year mm. his uh, he had 60 million streams for the entire year just wow. in april and may this mm. year he's mm. already crossed 70 million streams Just for those two months, that's insane. Just for those two months, and Ritwiz is the only Indian independent act mm. to have consistently week after week have five songs in the Spotify top two hundred. And now this are these are his stream counts. Okay, I I did a little bit of research for you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so Urugaye, which is obviously the most popular big yeah. song, is nearly nineteen million streams. Wow. Liggy, another popular track of his, which is the only the second track. that i think indian independent track actually hit the spotify top 10 it has mm-hmm. reached number, as high as number 8 and it's still in the top 10 right now kasoor by pratik ghod is the only other one it got number 6 is up to 15.6 million streams sage is 10 million jeet is 9 million and chalo chale is 6 million now those are his top 5 tracks now i want to just give you some a little more comparative data Yeah. Say somebody like Pratik Kuhar, who's also, I suppose, when you talk about now, who's the biggest Indian independent act right now, you'd probably yeah. be a debate between these two guys. Yeah. So Paul Mess has got nine million streams. Uh, Dil De Parwa, which was the track on uh, the Duelist, has got six million. Tune Kaha, another six million. Oh Love, an English song. I mean, Paul Mess also an Indian song, but Oh Oh Love, uh, you know, before he really uh, mm. became so huge. 5.5 million and Kasoor is already up to 3.9 million. So wow. this just gives you an idea how well these guys are doing on streamings, and these yeah. guys are actually making money off streaming. But you have to be huge to yeah. sort of like be actually getting that, you know, because like the the, the I mean there is no such thing as a per stream rate, but like yeah. however they calculated where they you know put it all into a pool and they have mm. pro rata system or whatever it is. At the end of the day, uh, if you are uh, you have to be right at the top. Of the table, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, top of the list to actually be making decent money from streaming. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you some more examples, just to sort of like, uh, just just give you a little bit of comparison. Yes, uh, yes. thank you. And this is Spotify. So Spotify only has data from uh, February 2019, actually March 2019, because they launched like I think yeah, correct, yeah, uh, last year. Mm. Uh, and so it's. But you know, it gives you a fair idea, and I think that why I chose Spotify is not only they're one of the few places where you can actually see the stream counts. Jio mm. Saman uh, is the only other place that you can see it. Mm. Uh, Ghana has, like, it gives you in, in sort of, uh, 
in intervals of like 5 million so you can see like a song has over 25 million or over 20 million or whatever so oh, like, like that okay yeah so uh, so divine who's mm. now signed to a major label yeah uh, is the next guy and he's been slightly better than pratik but despite being signed to a major now he is mm. and having fair amount of uh, you know presence in bollywood thanks to gully boy mm. is actually doing slightly less better than ritu is uh, oh, okay. divine his biggest non bollywood song hmm. chal bombay with 13 million streams hmm. and this is as we are speaking as of august 2020 kaam hmm. pachis from the uh, sacred game soundtrack hmm. uh, 10 million koi hmm. note the title track of his album 9 million mm-hmm. and his top uh, his top bollywood song is um, uh, that song from uh, gali boy gaam meri gali mein no not meri gali mein What is it called? The other one. Kapna time aega. Ah, okay. Sixteen million. Sixteen million. Sixteen. Yeah. Four. Now okay. I want to also compare Divine's and Ritwik's and Pratik's streams to Barsha because you know mm. he is probably the biggest, mm-hmm. uh, uh, biggest, I suppose, hip hop act. I mean, if you can call it, act in the country, if you don't, if you don't look at the independent scene, yeah, like yeah. just look at it overall. Mm. and sort of i guess you would see the biggest non film act in the country right because mm. now his top track genda fool which is released earlier this year mm. uh as again nearly 19 million so the okay. same as urgay but of course urgay has been around for like a couple of years yeah his next big track is a song called she move it like that to 17 million and mm. the controversial pagal is actually up to 15 million now oh so pretty neck and neck with rituals and yeah. not counting his bollywood stuff and mm. i'm counting his uh, non film stuff yeah. again remember this is all on sony so he has the benefit of major label which mm. does not he has the backing of certain like brands mm. perhaps but like mm. i don't know what kind of impact brand brands i don't think really have an impact no, on uh, audio streaming services not the way that say labels do yeah uh, so bacha and ritwiz pretty close so that kind of gives you an idea one of the growth of independent music exactly. and yes there's just these few breakout acts yeah. but like it's possible it is possible for an independent artist to not yeah. be on a label and do amazingly mm. well on audio yeah. streaming sites we're not even talking about youtube here yeah. because you know uh, as we discussed it there some issues with that yeah and yeah. i think pratik itself is such a great example because you know um even compared to um, comparing it in the apple charts mm-hmm. it was consistently in the top 5 for the yeah, longest so time yeah his was the first song kasoor was the first song to actually uh, indian independent song to actually top their uh, apple music uh, chart yeah. but i mean you know we have to realize that apple is very niche so if you exactly, look yeah. numbers and i know spotify is not necessarily the top streaming service here i mean you know uh, probably gana and jio saban are like literally 10 times the number of uh, um you know the overall listeners or overall right. customers but when you look at engagement i think mm. there's been enough study that mm. especially when it comes to independent music spotify has higher levels of engagement engagement than than either of these platforms so i think that's why i'm taking spotify as an example i mean i love the fact that apple music supports independent music a lot yeah uh, but it is you know ultimately it is a fairly niche uh, audience base mm-hmm. and you know uh, and to to sort of uh, again like to continue the answer to your question i think that independent acts are 
paying more attention to streaming and rightfully yeah. so uh, you know even when it comes to something like youtube mm. uh, because you know even when you look at it ironically youtube is one of the few places mm. where you can actually monetize your music beyond audio streams wherein they yeah. have these things where they have these stars or it, i think what did they call them I mean, they have some system where you can i think stars is facebook or something they have these little virtual uh, sort of uh, things yeah stars facebook yeah correct, correct yeah correct. so so youtube also has a similar system right uh, where you can actually like gift whatever your favorite artist some stuff when like so like best. a patreon kind of thing not a patreon but i think that it's kind of like uh, similar to stars where you sort of gift them stuff mm-hmm. uh, you know like you give them essentially virtual gifts i think or whatever and that has some monetary value so they get that uh, yeah yeah uh, whether it's a badge or something along those lines and you know so okay. it's possible but of course there are there are limitations to that because you need to uh, have a certain amount of watch time before you can ah. be monetize your content Yeah. so you know so th- th- this is the thing that like what happens is that it's a kind of a double edged sword right like there was so much of controversy when like uh, daniel x made that controversial i mean that that very inflammatory statement to music ally incidentally uh, oh, yeah. about how you know you have to like you can't <laughs> yeah. to, uh, this thing you know yeah. you, you can't afford to not yeah that was a very uh, unfortunate thing to say release music yeah. but if you ask anybody in the music industry i mean just like i'm talking about non musicians mm. they will tell you that look if you want to do well on music on audio streaming you, yeah. or even sort of any kind of audio streaming you have to be consistent you have to put out music on a regular basis because of the way the algorithms work whatever mm-hmm. and i mean if you kind of look at it in a different perspective when you look at it look you are releasing an album you've got 12 songs that you want to put out if mm-hmm. you just broke that album up into 12 singles that you release every month and mm-hmm. if it had a impact on your streaming rather than releasing all 12 tracks at one at point once. and having and uh, you know and having like only three of those songs do well and then nine of them get getting lost yeah you know uh, i think that you have to kind of uh, sort of also like see That's good them, strategy yeah yeah just yeah just see the merit in how you want to do it also obviously there will be certain artistic statements when we want to make where you want to release a body of work and you feel that mm. that is that is an album that is a mm. set of songs it has to be uh, together, together. Mm. but if it's not then maybe there's a way for you to figure it out right because yeah. if you look at who is the number one indian independent artist on youtube it's mm. anyway anyway has more than 10 million subscribers yeah yeah and how does he do it i mean he is releasing a track he's like a machine he releases yeah, yeah exactly every month sometimes more than one track a month yeah. and it is because he's competing with youtube creators he's competing competing with people who are literally like sort of like who are putting up stuff every day and that's mm. not possible for a musician obviously it's just yeah. not it's not logically possible uh it's i mean it, it does not make sense and it wouldn't i mean obviously it would be like a uh you wouldn't be the quality of the music would mm. suffer if you try to do it as often as that but like he is a uh, kind of you know that's his competition right i mean yeah. he's competing with people who are putting up stuff every day so mm. this guy has at least kind of put up once a month yeah. uh you know so and again it's consistency and quality and i think that you have to have a combination of the bo- both of them to because mm. we want to get to that level i mean if you if you look at all these guys i mean whether you look at a uh, you look at a rithviz i mean he's not releasing a track every 
month but he's releasing a track every few months yeah uh, somebody like a pratik who started to do that adopt that strategy recently yeah divine is doing it you know in various forms whether it's independently whether it's through gali gang yeah. and you know his uh, gali gang releases yeah. where he's sometimes a featured artist you know mm. so people are doing this and i think that you know uh it's really a balance it's obviously mm. what works for you yeah but it's also what works best for your career in terms of how you want to make money out of it correct so basically consistency and you know maintaining quality at a certain point yeah yeah i i think a balance between that sort of like uh, is essential you have mm. to the people are constantly re i think reconfiguring mm. and that is the music world today that whether you look at a uh, even a taylor swift mm. you know who is probably the biggest recording artist in the world right now mm. uh, she her album yeah it's interesting to me that even though it was like a 180 degree turn from like doing this pop music doing like this i don't know alternative music yeah and, yeah and me and people are calling it indie very funny but like uh alternative <laughs> folk kind of uh, music from yeah. being like from sort of pivoting from country to pop now to this alternative folk yeah. space yeah her release strategy was essentially following what hip hop acts do hip hop acts in the us mm. are doing this sort of like you know these sub- dropping these surprises releases uh large albums with mm. sort of more than a dozen tracks because yeah uh, because zero you know, that means that people will stream the album in full if you have 16 tracks it obviously means that you know there is uh, you're getting more streams than if you would if you got if you had only 10 tracks Correct. you know uh, she's literally adopted she's on a label now that also has a big uh, hip hop roster okay. yeah so you know like even she's adopting new strategies observing mm-hmm. what other people are doing mm-hmm. and i think in indian space we don't have you know this kind of like uh, i mean no I, i think we have our own kind of market and we have to look at our own market yeah. and see what's working there mm-hmm. and so obviously that doesn't mean releasing 16 tracks at once i mean I, i do i do like that certain artists are taking stands yeah and so Uh, acts like say peter cat recording company that's releasing an album only on bandcamp saying that you know what uh-huh. audio streaming services suck yeah what <laughs> for music you you buy it on bandcamp because you know we will get the majority of the money from there yeah. i understand that i yeah. get that and if you're taking a stand you are like firmly putting your money where your mouth is you will have a exactly. reach but you will have all of that money with you yeah. so uh you know but like if you want to play it both ways i mean i'm sorry but like the scene is full i empathize but i also sometimes feel that there's a lot of whining you know uh, yeah no i i completely agree i think they have to like smarten up like in terms of you know understanding that okay this is the business now we need to do xyz and get on with it yeah so, so yeah and the thing is i think that's where people like indie music allies and you know all of us who form that enabling uh you know layer between the industry and the musicians come into the picture so i i think they should probably take the enablers a little more seriously and to so that 
you know they can actually plan and strategize and say that okay let me treat my music as a product and put it out there but uh, as enablers working with the artists you understand that they are not just about the numbers because for them the music is their emotion so it's if you 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 know you're like you know walking on eggshells around them so that i think but they definitely like you said i think they need to get that clarity in terms of how to strategize and understand and learn more from industry insights you know so i think i just wanted to go back on the so now in terms of like yeah like revenue streams and uh, how much money they make from it mm-hmm. do you think moving you said the user based payouts right Mm-hmm. could yeah. you go into a little more detail on what those are because i think a lot of people who might be listening to this might want to know more about so, it and how that will help yeah so as far as i understand it that right now how uh, the streaming works is that it all goes into like a central pool all the royalties right and they're yeah. paid out on the basis of uh, usage so like if say uh, again let's like, say pick some like taylor swift has got like 90% of the streams like a very mm-hmm. simplistic example mm-hmm. for a particular week or month or whatever she will get 90% of the royalties but that's mm. because we're looking at the pure volume of it but like if you look at what the difference is that now if i as a user did not stream taylor swift yeah. i only streamed uh, you know say uh, an india act like i streamed only uh, parikan singh okay? yeah uh, all my money mm. goes to parikan singh correct so, because but otherwise they might be only 0.1 of like the entire streams correct uh, that month so yeah. they will receive only 0.0001 uh, of the of the pool yeah and that's really unfair right on the other hand if it's user centric what happens is that because i only stream them for the entire month my entire subscription fee will go to them yeah, yeah. Th- and i think that makes so much more sense is there any platform that does that today Uh, no i uh, like these are apparently experimenting with it i think in okay. france or something but like I, again they haven't really come out with a report about it they haven't uh, you know there has been they, i think that like i said there's lots of vested interest in not having this happen because yeah you know obviously Lobbies. we will see maybe the big labels not making as much money as they are making today exactly it's all about volumes for them when they yeah. have it uh, this way that's going to change so yeah yeah so i think it's very very crucial for people to know this because a lot of artists today do not understand how royalties are calculated and how streaming revenue works because you know i've had conversations with people saying that you know i've had i have this many streams so technically this many streams into 0.0065 dollars yeah, i should get works, this much right? that's not how it works maybe else was streaming yeah in period yeah uh, you know so so essentially you are being paid out based on the total like how many your streams would uh, you know uh, wait let me just get this right so depending on the percentage of contribution your streams make yeah, so to that week essentially it's like i think i mean like again i Uh, you know, it would be it would be nice for you to go back and confirm this, and then maybe edit this out in case it's wrong. But uh, <laughs> but I, this is my understanding of it. So essentially, it's basically your stream, your payouts are are sort of relative to what the overall streams are. So yeah. it's not 
it's not a fixed amount. It, it's yeah. sort of, there's an average, obviously. So this is how people get those rates because it mm. averages out, mm. uh, you know, over time. And there's mm. enough, like, sort of now enough data because streaming services have been around for a while. Yeah. You calculate some kind of rough per stream uh, rate. But yeah. essentially it is that you might be streaming one million, which is amazing for you. But like, mm. it's uh, like the over, they were like maybe uh, one billion streams that month. Mm. Your, your one million mm. is still, it, you know, it's a, only a small percentage, percentage of the overall streams war. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's, that's how you are, cal- it's calculated that you get that percentage that you make up of the overall pool. Uh, yeah. Not as opposed to uh, those one million streams and if say 20 people stream your tracks uh, one million times, mm. all the money from the 20 people goes to you if they didn't stream anybody else. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't work like that. Correct. Yeah. So essentially, whether you are an indie artist working out of your bedroom or you are Drake, you yeah. are competing against each other when you you're putting your music. It's like, uh, yeah, it's essentially that. That yeah. you are like sort of competing. It's, and it's, with the labels obviously controlling a lot of the plays and playlisting and all of that there is a lot of manipulation so to speak i mean in terms of like control over where those streams go you kind of like there's manipulation in terms of where those streams go but there's probably manipulation in terms of how visible a particular release huh, right? correct like yeah playlist, something that how do you land the playlist you know right. certain playlists will only have stuff from the major labels yeah the mainstream stuff yeah. certain, certain playlists will have their the, the indie music tends to be compartmentalized into certain playlists yeah you know, i think so the visibility is i think controlled to an extent by the major labels but not the actual streams now, i think that because you have to realize that look what's great about uh, consumer driven platforms like audio streaming services and say youtube mm. as opposed to radio and tv is that like the consumer is driving what's popular on and what's you know what's heard on those things because the algorithms are driven by what people are listening to, yeah, right? right. randomly put uh, stuff that nobody's listening to mm. because it doesn't benefit them ultimately, right? They want people to listen to more and more music. Yeah. Uh, that's how they generate more advertising revenue, you know, all of that. So uh, basically, it means that they, so you can be an independent artist who breaks through on these streaming services uh, and you know, then you are sort of like on a level playing field. Just as I give you the instances of these independent artists doing yeah. really well, yeah. uh, you know. So, uh, in the sense that, like, so I think that that's what's great about these uh, DSPs is that Correct. ultimately it's the consumer that's driving what is given attention or given sort of the uh, shelf uh, or the visibility. Yeah. You know, yeah. Extent yeah. is controlled by the labels. Mm-hmm. But like, it's equally driven by what people are actually listening to. Yeah, I think it's like a combination of the two. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like this is um, 10 years ago, streaming was, I, it was absolutely new. And I don't think people even in India, at least nobody was streaming music. Yeah. Perhaps, I think, was YouTube around then? 10 years ago? Very nascent stage. Yeah, it yeah. was probably around. But like, uh, yeah, it was around. YouTube was around 10 years ago. If you're looking at so, 2010, it was definitely around. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just want to know, like, what do you think have been the biggest and most interesting changes in this last one decade? And um, 
what has been the biggest like turning points like influential factors which have kind of changed the game of course streaming has a huge impact but what are the others that you think of i, I mean really i think that if you look at the overall kind of uh, growth of independent music hmm. say 10 years ago to today it has been fairly exponential right yeah and you look at it from say maybe uh, like streaming has obviously been a big part of it mm. uh, but i mean even if you look at it from the point of view that there was barely any label interest in independent music right i mean if you had like today you actually have independent acts being signed to major labels mm. and uh, you know you have independent labels themselves which was mm. not something that was around and mm. uh, even in terms of like just the live music industry and how much it has grown like 10 years ago we didn't have any festivals i mean we weekend was first year was i think 2010 right and yeah then, yeah yeah uh, i'm talking about independent music festivals so i wouldn't even count like a sunburn or something because that mm. was so much oriented towards so old on international yeah. talent that was yeah. around you know mm-hmm. but like if you look at really and weekend being consistent like something that has been staged every year mm-hmm. up until now obviously for this year it won't happen because yeah. of other reasons but like yeah. so you had i think that was a, it was a, i remember it was a really exciting time 10 years ago yeah. uh, to be part of the indian music industry because you could see it acquiring oh, critical mass you know yeah. so sort of like seeing that finally that there were acts that were like to name not just one or two acts but to have like a bunch of acts that you could say were sort of uh, world class in some sort of mm. sense and like you know uh, were not just doing it for time pass were like there and like you know really up there with like um, music that you would be proud of yeah. and like uh, you know those bands are still around today i mean yeah. whether it's an indian ocean or a thermal in the quarter or a soul mate or yeah. you know any of these acts i mean uh, they are i mean and, and and there were a number of these acts and you look at the roster of the first weekend and you can probably see all of them then mm. uh, you know it's i mean that was what's so exciting that you had live music you know yeah. it's only grown since you have now you just look at the number of festivals we had like 10 years ago and look at yeah. every like uh, at some stage last year there was like a new festival being around every uh, every month, month i think almost, yeah. one like yeah. happening and I think and this is something I think you also discussed in a previous episode with uh, you know some of our guests is how it's now possible to have a career in the music industry yeah uh, which was not possible before you had to be having a day job doing something yeah. different yeah. now you, you might still need to have a day job you probably still do because mm. not everybody can make enough money uh, you know if depending on what your stature is as an artist you can't necessarily make a living out of just playing gigs or yeah. obviously from your streams so yeah. you do need to have another full time gig mm. or even a part time gig but what you can do now is that you can be do that within music itself so you can use your core skill mm. of being a musician to either work at a label mm. or maybe be a music teacher or maybe mm. you know uh, sort of like uh, you know be a producer you yeah. know in ads or something like that or like uh, there are various opportunities for you to correct be within the music industry itself uh, so multitasking uh, is crucial yeah, and, and like sort of using your core skill as a musician to make a living not necessarily yeah. as a music mean uh, not necessarily as, as a, a performer, performer. Ah, not necessarily correct. as a performer yeah. but as a musician as yeah. a musician correct absolutely i completely agree so um i mean there are so many questions that i have actually because you know there's so much that's 
gone this going on in the last uh, 10 years and in this last one year has been exceptionally interesting um what do you think about you know um, the the experience that you had like in terms of like when you've been covering the international music scene is there anything that stands out with the indian music scene or it could be problematic or good like either way uh, what do you I, think has been i mean what are your opinions on that are you talking about the industry and like talking about the Uh, covering the international music indian music industry versus the international music yeah so in the sense i know that the indian music industry so to speak is split into two you have the film and the non film mm-hmm. and uh, because of that very interesting dynamic how what do you think are the differences that you've seen like it affects everything from charts to revenues into streaming to all of that right mm-hmm. so how um how do, what is the difference that you see in an international situation like because right now the indian music industry is a part of the global scene in any case yeah. but because of the fact that this is being split into two in the country itself how does that affect it you know from an international perspective if that even makes sense <laughs> i'm not not exactly sure uh, what your question is uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I, mean, i haven't really covered the international music industry as such i've only observed it i haven't really reported on it uh, uh, yeah but based on your ob- observations yeah i mean the thing is that you know like if you look at the kind of conversations that are happening right now in the international music industry they're not very different from what we have been talking about here except that uh, i mean if you look at it's just like there the music industry is so much more evolved right if you mm-hmm. look at the uk and the music uk and the us music scene you look at look at the uk and the kind of response they've had towards this whole uh, lockdown situation how yeah. the government has funded yeah. uh, you know billions of pounds to help people in the culture sector yeah. you know this is something that we cannot even like i mean our government forget doesn't even recognize mm-hmm. far more essential activity yeah. that uh, you know um, <laughs> that i mean i'm not saying the music is not essential but what i mean to say is that like you know the benefits yeah and benefits don't even sort of accrue to so many different sectors that like uh, musicians and entertainment is so low down the food chain yeah. but uh, i mean we had the iprr is giving out the uh, i was just going to come on that yeah great thing. i mean yeah. it's amazing that they did this i mean the one thing that iprs has been like in seen talk of in a positive light in all these months yeah but we have to like be uh, Uh, have to give them credit where it's due. They did actually, and I spoke to a bunch of independent musicians who are members of IPRS, and they all said that they had received uh, the grant and that it was fairly prompt. Okay. So you know, uh, I mean, so but like if you look at the overall issues like royalties and fair value gap and all mm. these kind of things, the conversations that they have are very similar to the conversations that we're having. Mm. You know, it's not particularly different. I think that like. Uh, like you look at certain gaping holes in our industry like publishing for instance you know yeah. then that is an area that like so like such a huge void here that yeah. like, nobody uh, knows what publishing is yeah i mean it's kind of nuts that yeah. like it's so i mean to be honest these are things that even i am familiarizing myself with over time yeah. and like you know and uh, you know i mean this is not something that you've asked me but like really i've kind of reconfigured myself as a journalist over time where mm. earlier i would you know i was pretty much like your average music journalist uh, you know 
very much tied to a release cycle mm. tied to you know what news uh, like artist an artist centric kind of approach to writing about music yeah. whether somebody releasing a new album or going on tour or a new video and all that where i've shifted my perspective to to really, really learning about the industry and the workings of the industry mm. and it is you know it is complicated it is it is quite complex yeah. and it takes a while to understand it but you will get it eventually i mean yeah. i got it i mean if i can get it you can get it <laughs> i know and i mean i think um, that's it's great that you've been you've been part of the industry for this long and you're willing to change your perspective and i think that is something which i have encountered like you know working as a lawyer in the music industry where you have people like industry veterans so to speak who do not want to change their perspective because they're used to a certain kind of industry practice which is completely in conflict with you know what is allowed as per law so i think um, what what has been your experience in terms of like industry practices like you know is, in your observations on the indian music industry uh, what do you think can change and uh, especially for the music industry as a whole not just about indie or film yeah so i would say that uh, there's a couple of things mm-hmm. i mean one of one of them is i think a degree of professionalism yeah. that we need to get in our music industry mm-hmm. which does not necessarily uh, which is probably not the same as you see uh, um, abroad i mean i haven't worked abroad so i'm mean, i'm yeah. saying purely by observation yeah but like in the sense of simple things like you know whether it's communication whether it's sort of the casual approach to how we we sort of treat this business mm. or even like i think one of the main things that we the biggest problem i find with the indian music industry is there is a lack of transparency yeah you know there is a so so much opaqueness about the way it functions yeah. and uh, you know and you know sometimes whether like even i'm talking about mainstream or indie i mean like this seem to be obviously in india it's on a much smaller scale but mm. like there is there's a fair amount of opaqueness a fair amount of like uh, you know transparency and you know i constantly say this that like i attend music conferences for one reason alone which mm. is to finally get access to data that otherwise is not shared and yeah. which is shared i think because say you know there is the only opportunity and again mm-hmm. it's not verified data but it's it's the only it's just data. yeah it's information at the end of the data. day yeah. you get some data you know uh, we don't know on the basis of how yeah uh, you know so i mean to give you an example um, mm. we are supposed to have an indian music official indian music chart that mm. the imi which is ah. the official trade body in indian music industry correct first name in terms of google uh mm. but like the uh, just so they were supposed to launch a official indie music chart and that was actually my first story for billboard because i mean it was a very appropriate one considering my history yeah. with like, charts and billboard and all that <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, it was and it was supposed to launch i think last year at some point and like you know it was supposed to launch yeah i i, I think yeah last year by the i think it was supposed to be like towards the end of last year but now it's like it's almost like a year and a half and there's been no sign of it mm. and 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 firstly they had decided that it was only going to be audio streaming because 
uh, like we talked about that was the most genuine of all the data yeah yeah then it was something that became uh, then they decided okay, we're going to incorporate youtube also because youtube is so big then yeah. they said we're going to have a mix of airplay now airplay, i like boss yeah. i mean like in, including airplay and this and surely it's like going to have it's going to be colored yeah and uh, so and they said that there's been great reluctance on the mm. part of labels to actually share this data to allow this data to be shared uh, and like mm. to be, be made public mm. now uh, firstly the nobody's getting their hands on this data because the chart is compiled by a, a singapore based company called bmat so it's going directly from this dsps to the company company not okay. like your rivals are going to have any access to the data mm. i doubt they're going to come out with the actual number of streams it will be a mere ranking if this is uh, if we know how indian uh, yeah. things work <laughs> i really doubt that they're going to come out and say number one has got x amount of streams across platform yeah no obviously they're going to wait it depending on yeah. you have a waiting system uh, depending on how many users each streaming service had but it still not happen and because why because they are so reluctant to actually have their data shared mm. i mean it's it's not that you can't get that you can go into this apps you can see what's number 1 number 2 whatever i do this on a regular basis mm. uh but is everybody not the casual listener is not doing this and yeah. uh, uh, i don't even know how many like people in the music industry actually if you are not actually entrenched into the music No, Listen, a, I, I can guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, you know that who's yeah. going to do that? So, I mean, this could be. A, I mean, it it is a it is a testament to the evolution of a country's music industry that it has an official music chart. Yeah, we have not got that yet, and I think that is like a it is a sign that you know we have a long way to go if we can't even count those on official music chart. Now that it's possible, I mean, now that it's possible, like if we talk about another way that streaming services are uh, have been a great boon is that now you finally have some data. Like earlier, mm. where was the data? You just had to go on the basis of some label claiming I have this album has gone multi-platinum or this, and nobody knew what this platinum. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, there was no way to this. And the only chart was we had like Rhythm House chart. It was one small store in like uh, Kala Ghoda in Bombay in one city. coming up with the ranking of the songs that are selling or yeah selling and they shut also no no their their store mm. is being treated as some sort of national uh, you know sort of uh, equivalent of what the most popular music in the country is which is so we had no data now at least we have some data mm. yeah so and going back to the lists so that means you saying so yeah obviously billboard doesn't have a list for india right no it doesn't yeah yeah and yeah, why because there's no official data ha ah, same be, thing yeah ah oh, interesting this is so, so but then streaming services each have their own right so you yeah. have this company called chart metric that uh, uh tracks like it's sort of like this uh, it sort of brings together data from all the different countries and puts it in one place mm. so you can go to chart metric and you can you can either see the global tally of streams across say apple or spotify or amazon so all the international ones are on there so mm. like for instance uh, you can go to chart metric and see um, uh, now apple doesn't share numbers so yeah. you're not getting the actual stream counts but you can see the chart so you can see for instance uh, 
you know who's leading where type yeah and you can go to countries get country specific data so i wrote a chart metric and i was like why don't you talk to uh, indian dsps why don't you get them on board yeah you know but uh, even that's not happened so clearly wow. yeah. you know no I but mean, that i mean there's something seriously wrong there then is that because which is which is which is what i was uh, you know referring to earlier so is there some kind of manipulation by the i don't think there's a manipulation in terms of the songs that are popular there there's probably manipulation what they overall mau's are because that's the thing right i mean I, this is a joke that i often make mm. uh, according to the imi last mm. year uh, there were 150 million users uh, monthly active users across streaming services okay. but we had three uh, streaming services that each claimed 100 million active users so you had like a gana jio server and a wink all claiming 100 million active users yeah. which is 3 300 million yeah. uh, across three platforms in a country that has nine platforms yeah uh, whereas the official <laughs> industry trade body is telling you we have only 150 mas so oh this was i think in 2018 or 20 i mean i don't yeah. know that's the figures change hmm. but uh, i mean that just shows you the thing so i think reluctance is more if i know how many streams your tracks are getting obviously i'll get some idea of how many monthly active users you actually have yeah, yeah. right uh, i don't think the songs themselves are being the rankings of the songs themselves are being manipulated like i said i haven't heard any such thing mm. i don't think there is i mean as far as i know that's not happening but what's mm. definitely suspect is the number of actual monthly active users we don't know mm. whether that's there's true. a way to verify whether these guys actually have those numbers that they claim yeah yeah i think like you said transparency is something that really needs to kick in yeah. at the earliest and now um i mean I, time will tell but i'm hoping with iprs announcing you know 2.0 there will be some um, improvement in the way they work and how their platform works as well and have some kind of transparency in terms of like you know having access to a dashboard something as basic as that so like for mm-hmm. artists so if you're registered most of the international copyright societies allow you to you know register your work online and track where your uh, music is being played and how much money you've made so mm-hmm. there's no visibility as now something as basic as that yeah and this is something which was executed like 15 years ago outside so we there's a lot of catching up to do and yeah. uh, yeah so i think i mean there is so much of information that uh, is out there but not accessible to a lot of people so that's why i mean thank you so much for taking time out to do this because this what we have discussed today is not something you will find anywhere like i have realized how this you know there's barely any information on the indian music industry so there are a few people that i you know keenly follow and you are definitely one of them so thank you i mean i keenly follow you as well <laughs> thank you so that, much uh, i often come to you whenever i have any sort of legal query yeah. and i don't understand something i you're the first person i ask <laughs> thank you that like you know it's uh, it's validation at the end of the day so yeah, yeah. so uh, just to wrap up this whole thing you've had a very interesting like you know 18 17 years as a journalist so mm-hmm. what's your advice to people who want to take this up like you know people who have a genuine interest in music and want to take up music journalism how um, feasible is it and you know in terms of career income all of that so now is not a particularly great time to be a journalist <laughs> and to be a music journalist is probably even worse <laughs> there is like like a hyper niche within like the whole uh, journalism field yeah yeah 
but my advice to anybody who wants to be a music journalist has really been simple and essentially the same uh, like in all the years i've been asked the question which is like just listen yeah to as much music as you can watch as much yeah you can you go to as many gigs as you can it's probably not possible now but watch as much live streams or whatever you know mm. listen consume as much music just consume as much music as possible and write as much as possible right you know keep writing uh, you know you will the only way you will get better at it is if you keep doing more keep of it writing. and you have to have somebody who's like it doesn't have to be published but you do need to have and this is something that whether you're a writer whether you're a musician mm. if you're in a creative professional it's mm. very important to have uh, somebody give you honest feedback yeah and, and be willing to take that feedback and be willing and open to um you know i mean a lot of this also has to do with i i will say some amount of it is basically circumstantial and driven mm. by luck because not everybody can have like a great editor or you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. have somebody who's there to kind of really give you that honest feedback but uh you know have we all have people whose opinions we respect mm. uh, hopefully if you can find somebody who if you are a musician you and you there's somebody amongst your circle who is uh somebody who uh, you know who shares a similar kind of taste yeah you i mean whether you're a musician whether you're a writer whether you know you're, you're come from similar spaces mm. have them be your sounding board yeah ask them for a genuine opinion i mean you know uh, like you know the thing is that like you have a lot of music writers that may not i mean it's not about having a flair i often say the flair for writing will come uh, over time yeah what true. will not come is it's an interest in music not only just an interest but like what essentially i think that again like i said this across any creative uh, industry right you have to find a unique voice you know that yeah. is the only way that you will stand out Mm. uh you know everybody loves music everybody wants to write about it. like how do you make a career out of it i only if you are extra special will you be able to make a career out of it and how do you become extra special you don't have to you only can be that if you have if you say something that nobody else is saying mm. or you say something in a way that nobody else is saying and you have to find uh new angles to look at the same old thing yeah. or you know talk about something that nobody else is talking about Mm. Uh, you know that covering angles that's yeah like it's you good you know it's not about like it's not the grammar it's not your uh, you know uh, you know your byline the publications that you write for it's it's what your voice is and yeah. like how do you and you have to develop that voice and you actively develop it and the only way you can do that is just keep writing keep listening mm. and keep seeking feedback and you know like just own that uh, over time and you know it's like yeah. that, that that's pretty much like the standard advice i have for like every <laughs> i've had for like the longest time yeah well that's some pretty solid advice because you know i mean like you said especially finding that what you rep- yeah. what you represent you know what you're writing about like for example what you do in terms of your the journalism that you handle or you, you are part of is on the industry side of things insights and and a lot of it uh which isn't covered by most of the other people yeah. 
it's, I mean, it's very I, unique that way. Yeah. I have a simple rule uh, about my own writing, and mm. it's uh, it's really this is my rule that mm. if I write something, is somebody who reads it getting to know something new that they didn't know before? Mm. Uh, if they don't, then I have failed. Mm. If they do learn something, and it could be something very random and specific. I mean, very random, specific. Uh, it could be just something simple as like uh, an aspect of somebody's career that they didn't know about, or a fact yeah. about somebody that they didn't know about. But have I been able to echo out something new from this research or from this interview or something, uh, you know, uh, or an observation from the music? I mean. That's all. That's the just my litmus test. Is there right. something new that I have managed to okay. uh, inform people about? And you know, they continuing with that point, and I'm, I'm I know I'm sort of uh, kind of uh, bringing together musicians and writers, and mm. uh, they're very different. And I think the only thing is, like I said, they are both creative, creative professionals. Kind of but like I often see this, and I feel that uh, you know whether you're pitching. An article idea, right? Or whether you're pitching for a playlist, mm. you have to look at the same angle, right? You have to look at the same, uh, take the same approach, which is essentially yeah. like you'll often get, like you know, I, I know music journalists will agree with me here that you get so many emails from people saying, "This yeah. is my single. Can you please write about it? This is my right. new album, and you know, a couple of lines about it." But like, what's the story? Like, you need to tell me the story. You need mm. to tell me. What makes this different? What's interesting? You know, I mean, like uh, this is and and I and this is something that I've heard. I think on a music ally seminar, wherein so somebody from the streaming services said that, like, I think it was Spotify and talking about pitching to Spotify, and they said mm. that look, when you're writing a pitch, mm. you have to like it's like you're literally writing a brief for an article, like you know. Yeah. Don't tell me about the making of the song and who you wrote it with and blah blah and you know your mm. collaborators and all of that. That is, that is just information. I mm. need to know the story behind your song. Yeah. yeah, I need to know. I need to form some sort of connection. Yeah, whether that's an intellectual connection or an emotional connection, that's yeah. the way that I'll be convinced. Yeah, that's actually that's great advice because I'm sure you're receiving a lot of people, a lot of artists like writing into you. Yeah, yeah, I've said it many times before. Doesn't yeah. make any sense, but I'm no, just but right you know, like uh, there are so many artists releasing music, especially with this the pandemic hitting. Like my conversation with Ritnika as well yeah. was about that, and uh, it it is just how they have to approach a music journalist is also something very crucial. So I think this is great advice, even to the artists who are like listening in. So yeah, thank you so much, Amit. I mean, it's been like I said with every guest that I've had on the show. I think I have so many more questions, but I think I'm just going to bug you offline, and yeah. um, I maybe you know uh, probably like do something in terms of um, uh, you know with indie music allies. Actually, yeah. Before we wrap up, mm-hmm. that is something which I'd like you to talk about indie music allies and how you became a part of it, and um, you know. What do you think it's going to do for the music community? So, I mean, I won't go into too much detail uh, about Indie Music Allies mm. because uh, right now we're in a uh, we've we've closed membership. We do want to open it up after a little point of time. So, okay. I mean, that's why I don't want to talk too much about it because it's not like something that people can 
become yeah. a part of at the moment but essentially what it is is, mm. is like we talked about this it is an enabler not a service mm. uh what we again came out of the whole lockdown situation the origin was artists were at sea they had no like really really confused about now i have no income from live gigs i don't yeah. know how i'm going to record my music mm. and all these conversations happening you know over the internet and people having similar conversations and uh, the you know me and my founding co-founders sort of yeah. like wanting to all having a similar idea where essentially look there's no such i mean one of the things that's greatly lacking is a sense of community and if you can just bring together uh, you know everybody who's essentially going through the same thing yeah. and you know you know there's there's kind of like pi numbers and you know uh, so many things that when you come together there's so many things that you can do in terms of sharing resources and terms of uh, problem solving you know, all of those kind of things so that's really the origin of the music allies and bringing together people from i mean the majority of our membership is, uh, is musicians like over 50% but we also have uh, everybody across like connected to the indian independent music industry whether that's uh, you know artist managers whether it's gig promoters whether it's lawyers like yourself mm. uh there's journalists you know there's a whole bunch of different uh, professional sound engineers yeah you know or, and just basically coming together and so far what we've been doing is really uh we've been taking it really slow and steady all of us mm. have full time jobs so we also want to we want to take our time but do it right yeah, so yeah. Uh, i mean i, I think that like people might be wondering like where really we you know a lot of organizations come and like sort of the bat to start doing stuff but like mm-hmm. we are doing it in a way that we really want to sort of uh, like the base impact yeah. like you know we don't necessarily want to reach like a thousand people if we reach 10 people would we actually make a difference to their lives you know mm-hmm. then that's that's essentially what we want to do mm-hmm. uh so we are we are going to do certain things like workshops Yeah. and workshops oriented towards specific areas uh you know whether it's legal whether it's pr mm-hmm. uh you know and press or whether it's like mental health all mm-hmm. the sort of aspects that you know all the uh, you know so people in the music industry are concerned about yeah uh, and sort of in uh, and impact them on a on a daily basis um, we also have a facebook page which is actually open to everybody so because we we were limited we decided limited number of members that we would take mm. because uh, you know we we still want to figure out how we can do this how we can best um, you know contribute to the scene the idea yeah. is to you know, deal like i said very closely with again a voluntary organization with a non-profit organization we're trying to uh, do up sort of like again like you know like i said maybe just have a, f- a smaller membership but like have a greater impact mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. but our facebook page is open to all anybody can become a member on that and of the we group, are right facebook yeah, group facebook group yeah. indie music allies and we on that we're sharing resources we're sharing a bunch of resources yeah. there's a place for people to come and um, you know also post stuff you can post your own release there yeah. Yeah. uh you can uh, you know we try to have conversations there uh, share news you know related mm. to uh music industry mm. really sort of be a kind of forum for exchange uh, of ideas and information yeah you know. so like everybody's welcome to join that facebook group and hopefully maybe we will uh, you know gradually increase our membership after some time when we have figured out 
um, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, game plan. How we're going along. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Okay, great. So once again, I, I mean, wrapping up today's uh, episode. Thank you so much, Amit. Uh, it's thank been you so much for having me and like along, yeah. on with like I really, I sort of, I, I say a lot. <laughs> no, that's great because I love chatting and I love listening to all this information that you've had to share. And I think I wish I'd made notes, but since we have this as a recording, that's great. So, um, I mean, it's been an enlightening session. So I think, you know, I'm definitely going to be bugging you for more information because it helps me like structure my advice to people as well so that's great yeah, i'll so, be doing the same <laughs> <laughs> that is give and take okay perfect all right thank you so much for tuning in guys i will speak to you soon and i will see you in the next episode